0: Actually, to be here tonight, some of you might know me, some of you might not. I'm really excited to be chatting to you. Um, Matt's already kind of um, introduced a little bit about what I'm going to talk about, but I just wanted to, um, to just yeah, to just really um, chat to you about about prayer. You know that in in Ivy this year is our year of prayer. We've declared that to be a year where we take people to Jesus and Jesus to people through prayer. And I'm just really excited at the opportunity to actually pause and pray. You know it's just been incredible I know that we're only in March but just the difference already that we're hearing in our churches and we're feeling in our families you know to know that we've taken this time to really pause and pray is incredible and I'm really excited at the potential that we're going to see at the end of this year once we've actually gone through every single month and we've been praying together as a church and the exciting um, aspect of actually what what we're going to be like as individuals at the end of this year so I can't wait and I'm really really excited about that i really believe that that at the end of this year we're going to see God do incredible stuff that we've never ever seen in Ivy before I genuinely believe that and I think that God's going to make us lighter because one of the things that happens in prayer is that God then begins to shed away the weight, doesn't he? He says away all this stuff that really mean that, you, that that you know that have been heavy on you for a long time, and he refines you, doesn't he, through prayer, and then he makes us better. So I can't wait to see what we're like at the end of this year. Um, so um, it's really great kind of hearing what we were chatting about in our little groups. But um, so we're going to talk about worry tonight. We're going to talk about um, through prayer and looking at what the Bible says about worry. Um, so I used to work for a company called Ticketmaster. Does anybody know? Thank you. No Ticketmaster, yeah? Right, so it's a company that, um, that you can book kind of tickets through for events and for lots of different things. Um, so I, um, day in and day out, because I used to work in the call center in the customer service department, and then occasionally they sort of asked me to go and um, be in the sales team, which was like really intense, but pretty cool. Um, we'd get loads and loads of calls, especially when like Take That would come on or, you know, weird shows or whatever, and we'd have to like all be on the phones. And um, and I was always struck by how desperate people sounded when they got through to you and like oh, they were so relieved to get through but then really desperate to make sure that they actually got the ticket that they wanted um, for the event that they were trying to book and they were just like right I've got through to you but actually am I going to get the tic- am I going to get the, the tickets for the event and so like I was always struck by that desperation in their voice you know people were willing to pay all kinds of money for, kind of, for weird events that I would never go to and I remember one time uh, taking a call from this lady and she had that mixture of relief and like panic right so she was like oh yeah and, um, and it was just really interesting so I remember her just saying I really want to go to the Lion King I've promised my granddaughter that I want to go I'll take her to the Lion King and I really really want to go so have you got tickets for me and I was just like yes I'm sure we do I'll look for you so then I looked and ah the only tickets that were left were restricted view tickets I don't know if you've ever been to an event where you've been kind of in a restricted seat, a view seat rather, and, um, and I remember just feeling this like real disappointment for her because there were the only two tickets left, but she really, really wanted them. And as a, and, uh, as a company, we were obligated to always say if a, tic- if a seat was gonna be restricted, so then I kind of said, you know, I've got the tickets for you, but they're restricted, and I'm really sorry, and then she went, I'll take them. And I felt so sad for her because clearly she'd spent ages waiting on the phone. Clearly she'd spent a long time probably saving. They're not cheap. And, uh, and she'd ended up with restricted view seats. And I was just gutted. I was so gutted for her because I knew that it wasn't going to be the experience of a lifetime for them. you know. And I just kept thinking, like, yeah, it's your money, but why? Like, why would you do that? Why would you pay good money for a restricted view? Why would you do that? Um, you know, why would you choose to see your favorite view with something blocking you? Because you're only going to see part of it. You're not going to see the whole thing. And you're definitely not going to see it in all its glory. Why would you do that? But you know what? That's exactly what we do, isn't it? When we choose to let things obstruct our view of Jesus, when we decide that these are just minor inconveniences, there's stuff like worry. You we're gonna talk about that tonight. Stuff like anger, stuff like pain, or stuff like, you know, things that we have think, thought, actually, you know, it's okay for me to live with this. It doesn't matter that I've got this thing that is restricting my view of Jesus. And we let that happen, don't we? We make these little things, or these things, as though they're not, they're not important, or though, though they're not actually a minor inconveniences, and we allow them to restrict our view of Jesus. And so this morning we launched our brand new series, didn't we, on our mountain moving prayer across all our ivy sites. And Andy said something so profound that I loved, I absolutely loved what he said. And he said, when we don't get rid of our mountains, we just end up building silly roads. So you end up literally carving ways through a mountain, don't you? And it is, it's really interesting, that's what we do. We live with things that we shouldn't live with. You know, we live with unbelief. We build walls and we say, you know what, I don't believe, I couldn't possibly believe that that's true. So we make, we justify living with things that Jesus does not want us to live with, because these things that we've justified as, oh, that's just a part of life, are actually restricting our view of him. So tonight, I really believe that God wants to break through that. We were singing before, weren't we, that he's a miracle working God. He really is. I know that to be true, I know that for sure. And I believe that tonight, God wants to take away some of this stuff that you might be like, oh, but that's just a part of life. He's like, no, it's restricting my, your view of me. You're not seeing the full picture of who I am because you have been carrying around stuff that you shouldn't be carrying around. And I am a miracle working God. And I want to take that away from you. So I really believe that we should let him tonight. As we hear his word, that God wants to take this stuff away. And tonight, I genuinely believe that there's gonna be healing in this room. If you really want to see Jesus set you free, he is able to do that and he can. And finally, we could be able to see him fully for who he is without any restriction. Wouldn't that be amazing? Wouldn't that be wonderful? So we're gonna read from the Bible, right? Before we do, For me, worry was such a part of my life for so long. And I actually didn't think it was anything worth dealing with really, because I didn't worry all the time. I only worried some of the time. I don't really class myself as a worrier. And I've had some worries of some things have happened that have caused me to kind of go, no, I didn't go very well, oh my goodness, how am I gonna sort that out? But I didn't really see myself as that, and yet, I didn't realize without, without thinking that I'd got myself into a place of just thinking it was okay to live like that. And the Bible has something to say about that to us. You know, so if you have your Bibles with me, would you turn to, to Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 to 9. We're gonna look at that in a minute. And when you really think about it, Surely there are some things that we're allowed to worry about, right? Like, the state of our world, politically at the moment, it's not great, is it? And you look at that and you think, well, there's potential threats, there's terrorism, there's all this kind of stuff that you're hearing. Yeah, we were allowed to worry about that, right? Brexit it's happening soon, right? And um, banks collapsing, we've been hearing loads of threats about, you know, what's the economy doing, what's it going to do next year, that kind of thing. Benefit cuts, all of that. And we, we're allowed to worry about people not being able to afford, right? The beast from the east this week, we were, we were allowed to worry about the fact that we couldn't get to work and the kids were stuck at home. My kids had three days off school. We're allowed to worry about that, aren't we? Um, you know, it's normal to think that these things are okay. So we kind of put them in a the category of their own. We're like, well, if the political you know, atmosphere in your country is not great, then you're allowed to worry about it. You're allowed to worry about Brexit. You're allowed to worry about that category, right? You know, but, but there, are in, there are some other things that you kind of think, well, yeah, you can worry about that, but you can't worry about this. Maybe for you, here right now, you're like, oh, those things don't really bother me. But right now, right here, as you're talking, this is a real issue. Like, this is real for me. I'm in that place right now. You know, your marriage is not going great. Maybe you're, maybe you're not even married. Maybe you're thinking, God, you promised me that I would be, and I'm not. And I'm worried that you're a liar. Right? Maybe for you, you're thinking, God, you said you're a provider, and I'm struggling for money. I'm worried. Are you real? Is this what you do? You know, one of the best um, books, aside from the Bible, that I've uh, read is this book, it's called The Worry Book. It's by a guy called Will van der Hart and Rob Waller, and they're great guys. And it's a book that delves a little deeper into this subject. So if you want to ask me about that at the end, you can do. But the best book that talks about worry and teaches us how to deal with it is the Bible. we're gonna read that right now. So Philippians 4, 9 don't worry if you don't have your Bible, it's right here. And he says, do not worry, mine is the NIV, so if you're reading from a different version, don't worry, it's all the same thing, it's just translated differently, and he says, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And Vasei says, finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. And whatever you learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put into practice. And the God of peace will be with you. So we're going to look at that for a minute. Um, but these two guys who wrote about worry um, talk a little bit more about what it is. And I'm going to get into that for a minute, but I just want to share with you a story. Um, a couple of years ago, some of you might know this because you helped us through this. Um, my family and I, we, ha- we were in a car accident, and um, we were traveling home from, the, from seeing my mom and dad, and we were on the Snake Pass. Snake and. Um, It was about 10 o'clock at night and a a car hit us at 90 miles an hour and uh, my children uh, my son was one at the time and my daughter was about five uh, five or six they were injured really badly and so was I and so was my husband and I just remember um getting out of the car and sorting them out and then the months that followed just being filled with worry and anxiety and I had loads of people come and pray for me and um And I knew that Jesus was real. And I knew that I was safe. There was no reason for me to be worried anymore. And yet, I couldn't stop feeling anxious. Every time I closed my eyes at night, I'd see the scene of the car accident every time I thought about it it just sent me into this downward spiral and it was just a horrible time a horrible place to be and it was awful and I just couldn't get myself out of it no matter what I tried I just couldn't stop just worrying about what could happen and I was just constantly thinking oh no it's eight o'clock I'm gonna have to sleep and so what I ended up doing is I just stopped sleeping altogether, which isn't good um, and so that went on for a few months until uh, a time where I was just really desperate. And so I asked for loads of people to come and pray for us and they would. Um, and I remember this particular night it was so bad. I hadn't slept for nearly, properly for nearly two weeks. And, um, and I just woke up in the middle of the night like I often did in this just cold sweat, just completely drenched in sweat. And I just remember thinking, oh my goodness, I'm awake. And I'm gonna have to do this again in a minute. So I woke my husband up. I was like, wake up, please pray for me. I was desperate. I, was like, I just wanted someone to pray for me. And um, bless him, he managed all of dear Jesus. And then he went back and his, to sleep and he was snoring within like seconds. I was so mad at him. And I just remember thinking, oh, like really genuinely just, yeah, you can't pray for me. So then I just got mad and I got up, went downstairs. And then I was just, like alone downstairs by myself. And I was just, like, God, you've got to help me this is crazy, I can't stop feeling this way and I don't know when it's going to end, it's been nearly three months and I can't sleep, what is going on? And so I remember this moment and, and I love what happened next because actually with this, this horrible moment of my life ended up being one of the best moments I've ever had with Jesus. Because I remember just kind of like feeling like I can't pray because I didn't know what to say to God. But then putting on a worship um, song on my phone and just playing it over and over and over again because well, I just didn't know what else to say. And I just remember it just playing over and over for a few hours, actually. Uh, and I just cried before God. I didn't know what else to do. I just cried. And as I did, I just felt like piece by piece, he was washing over me with his, just with his goodness. And I, and I didn't say a word. I didn't need to say a word, but he was just speaking over me through that song. And at the end of it, I'll never forget it. I remember just feeling this heavy presence of Jesus in the room. And it was so tangible, I actually felt like he was in there with me. So I remember opening my eyes and kind of thinking, like, am I awake or am I asleep? Like, what's going on? But there was this real heaviness, this presence of God in the room with me. And um, and I just remember feeling like, Jesus, you're here. Like, you're here. And I felt like his arms were around me. And as I felt that, I just began to feel this peace that I can't explain. And in the middle of this, I felt this healing inside that just changed everything for me. And it was about five o'clock in the morning, and I got up, went to bed, and I haven't had a nightmare ever since. And I believe that that same power, God is here tonight. And he wants to have the same encounter. He wants you to have an encounter with him tonight. So, if you're here and you're struggling with worry and you're hearing words like, do not be anxious about anything, you're like, how? How, God? How can I not? What I'm feeling is real. What I'm going through is real. What I've experienced, the means that I feel this way, that's real. And you're telling me, don't be anxious, and you're struggling to believe this. He is here. And I genuinely believe that He wants to come and break in and speak to us through His Word, but also encounter you tonight, and you can encounter Him tonight. Ooh, good. So, um, <laughs> yeah. So we're going to look at this uh, scripture. So this is Paul talking to the church of Philippi, and this um, community that he was talking to was one of the first communities that he'd set up, um, and it was one of the very, very first ones, church plans that he'd, um, that he'd put together. And he was actually in jail. He was in Rome, he was in chains, and he was, um, it wasn't a good situation that he was in, right? And so these guys, unfortunately, they were kind of young believers and they're dealing with this situation there in Philippi. And um, and Paul hears about it. And they'd been supporting Paul as he was in jail and they'd been sending him some money and they'd sent one of their guys to come in and help him and said, you know, send him some sustenance. And so he was writing this letter to this guy for him to take away so that he can thank them for the help that they've been giving him. That's the context of this story. And so he, here, here's Paul in jail, in chains, writing a letter to a church that's being persecuted, telling them not to worry and it's like you have a lot to worry about and you're telling other people not it's just incredible and so we find Paul in this situation that really isn't great and he's not just in chains he's not just in jail for a few months because he was in jail a lot Paul bless him but he's not just in jail for a few months he's actually he doesn't know what's going to happen to him he doesn't know whether or not um, he's going to be released, because sometimes he would be, and then everything would be fine, or the angel would come in, and crazy stuff would happen with Paul. You've got to read it, it's amazing. But um, he didn't know what was going to happen in this instance, because it's this time, the emperor, the person who was in charge at the time, the Caesar, was a guy called Nero, and he was awful. He was terrible. He hated people who were people of faith. So he was just like, he could either be released, you know, like, and pardoned. Or he was going to be ex- executed. So this guy is in jail, he's probably going to die and he's writing to people saying, hey guys, don't worry. I just, I just can't imagine. Can you imagine being in that situation? So here we find him kind of trying to encourage Bible believers and actually it's really incredible because what he's telling them is what he's living. So he's not just telling them something that's a, a, a you know, feel-good story. He's living this stuff. He knows that for him to not be worried is to place his faith and his trust in Jesus Christ. So he's telling them something that he's already living, that is so true and so real to him that actually he's like, guys, I know what that feels like. I know what it feels like to be in a situation you don't want to be in, but don't worry. And they can believe it and they can take it because it's him and they know where he is so the comfort that they re- receive has a little bit more of weight because obviously of what, what the situation that, that he is in so you know what when um, when we read our bible it's amazing because we find God speaking directly into uncertain times, don't we? We find him speaking directly right in the middle of uncertainty. We, know we find that like in the, in the beginning, so in, in the beginning books in, the, in Genesis, we find God speaking to Joseph who found himself in a pit where his brothers were selling him or they were trying to debate whether to sell him or kill him. And we find that God is with him right there in the middle of that. We find God speaking to David, and David's waking up in the morning, he's a king, and he finds that one of his sons had decided to conspire against him. I and mean, that's a bad morning, isn't it? And so he finds that, we find God right there with him, trying to sort that out for him. And you know what? Many of the Psalms are actually written in the middle of those uncertain days. You know, the Apostle Paul, we've just talked about that, God had called him, but he'd found himself bound and dragged into prison again. You know, And what he writes to them, or he writes to, to them is that God's promises, God's promises are true even in the middle of uncertainties. You know, one afternoon, an angel appears to a teenage girl and says, hey, you're gonna be pregnant. And that's not gonna be good news for her. In that time, that would have been awful. And yet, God is with her. And you find Mary saying something that probably no other teenager ever would ever say, let it be unto me as you said because she knows who's with her. This is a book about very every about God breaking into the middle of uncertainty. And it's filled with stories of people facing uncertainty and facing times of worry and discovering that not only God is not absent, but actually he's often diligently at work right in the middle of their uncertainties and their worries because he loves them, because he cares about them, because he breaks right in the middle of their situation. And that's exactly why we're going to be looking at the Bible and what God says. This is a book about how very much we are not in control, but God is. You know, and that's probably why we might struggle with some of this stuff that we find tonight. It's too easy, isn't it, to just say, don't worry, just pray. It's too easy, isn't it? It sounds too much like, um, it just sounds too passive sometimes, isn't it? We want to do something. You want me to stand here and give you three points to stop worry? You want me to say to you, hey, point number one, do this. Point number two, do this. Point number three, you go and do this. And this is going to stop you from ever worrying ever in your life. We want that, don't we? We want to do something about it. We don't just want to be like, when, we, when we're told, don't worry, pray. It sounds like it's a passive thing, doesn't it? And yet, prayer is the most incredible power in the middle of any circumstance, any situation. It's the most incredible power. The Bible says that we are seated in heavenly places when we pray. We're able to access where Jesus is. We're able to speak directly to him and in him. We're able to access what is happening in heaven. We're able to take our worries and place them at the feet of Jesus. And in exchange, he's able to give us his peace for our worries. Prayer is incredible, it's an incredible power. So in Paul's letter to the Philippians, he gives them the best prescription for anxiety and for overcoming anxiety. He says, be anxious for nothing, but in everything, in prayer and supplication, give thanks to God and let your requests be be made known to God. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will guard your heart. And I was reading a book um, a couple of weeks ago by Max Lucado and he takes this um, scripture and that's where my titles come from, uh, Keep Calm and Pray. He takes this um, scripture and he breaks it down. I'd really recommend you read it if you have time and it's an incredible illustration of what it looks like to pray. And so um, Max Lucado is an incredible preacher but he was talking about um, when you worry, you feel like you're spiraling, don't you? I know that's how I felt. It feels like everything is going 100 miles an hour and literally you can't stop it. But he says, what if you were to be calm instead? So we're going to look at what I've said, that there is no formula to, I don't want to give you three points to take away. We're going to look at the acronym of CALM and see what we do. Instead of doing anything else, rather than pray, we're going to stay calm and pray when we worry. So the C is number one, starts for stands for celebrate. One of the best things, and I think uh, you mentioned it, Matt, one of the best things that I found in the middle of worry is the power of worship. When um, I was going through a time of anxiety and I just felt like everything was falling down, when I would put on worship music, everything would change. And the atmosphere in the room would shift because all of a sudden, I was confronted with who God was. And in the middle of all of that, I'd feel what I was feeling. And I knew knew that what I was feeling was real. And yet, in this space, it felt like everything was okay. Worship was a powerful tool in the middle of that. And so when you celebrate God in worship, you encounter how big he is. You see his power at work. You see how much he, who he is. And he shifts your perspective from what you're going through. It shifts the perspective from what you're looking at, from the things that you're experiencing. And you're able to see the magnitude of your saviour. So as you celebrate God in worship, God is able to then, you're able to see who he is. You're able to see the magnitude of God. So um, imagine imagine what a day at work or a home or a school would be like if you go through the entire day without losing the consciousness that God was right there with you. You know, when you do this in worship, you abide in the conscious presence of God. You know, prayer isn't just what we do in private when we bow our heads or close our eyes or talk to God in the King's English. That kind of prayer is important. But actually, prayer shouldn't end when we say amen. It should be this place that we're in, never breaking communication with God, never breaking that connection with him. As I mentioned earlier, the word for prayer that's used here is, um, is actually often used um, to describe worship and adoration. And in this, when we worship God, we find that the cure with anxiety first begins when we fix our eyes on Jesus, when we fix our eyes on God. And I've discovered that one of the surest ways for me has been when I've taken my eyes off the things that's caused me anxiety and placed my eyes on God and seen what he can do. Because actually nothing can defeat God. Nothing can defeat him. So when we come to him and we lift our eyes and we're like, God, you are able to do this and you are this and you are this, actually it changes your perspective and it changes what you see and you begin to see differently. So when we worship, our situation can be, look completely different. Number two, as we come to God, when we worry, it's really hard to, it's really hard to sort the situation out. You've got millions of ideas going on in your head, don't you? And yet we can't sort it ourselves. So why don't we ask God? So the A is ask God for help and be specific. It says in the Bible, do not worry, but pray. And with prayer and supplication, make your request known to God. You ask God for help and you're specific and no matter what it is, we can take it to the Lord. So when I was praying in the middle of this, when I was speaking to God, I was saying, God, I've, it's been two months now, you've got to help me. I got to a point where I needed to ask God for help and as I was asking him, I, I knew exactly what I was asking for at that time. You know, I knew that I needed him to help me to be able to sleep. I knew that I needed him to help me to be able to wake up in the morning and not feel this weight on me. So when we're coming to God, ask for help. He's there for that. Ask him for help. And I think we just need to be plain and do what the scripture says here. And in, in everything, you know, whether it's a huge thing that you're dealing with, or whether it's a little thing that you're dealing with, ask God for help. By prayer, bring it to him. He never tires of hearing from you. He never tires of hearing from any of his kids, actually. God loves us. So be specific. Tell him what's bothering you. Tell him what's tempting you to be anxious. And number three, leave, leave it with him. Put it down, lay it down. And I, I spoke earlier about how sometimes you know, we, we let things obstruct our view of Jesus, don't we? And we can choose to do that. We can choose to let things go unchecked. We can kind of think, you know what, it's just a little bit of worry. Sometimes I worry about my kids, but that's okay. So we can start to excuse these things and actually never, ever give them to God we can say hey it's not like um it's not like i'm dealing with anxiety all the time or you might be like well it's not like anybody can see it it's not like anyone can really see i'm i'm able to hide it really well well the only people that know understand the only people that see it they really understand so you can then end up holding it and keeping it with you rather than lay down at jesus's feet you know you live with god and you begin to thank him for what he's done. So one of the things that we started doing in, in, in our house after the car accident is that we realized that we were really, really, uh, that, we, that this was an incredible thing that we were alive. So we began every day so trying to thank God for things that we, that, yeah, first of all, that we were alive. But secondly, anything that God had done the day before. And I remember a friend telling me, hey, start a, a, thank, you know, a thankful journal. So I started to thank God for all the things I was able to do. So I was really struggling to walk at the time. I couldn't really um, get very far, I had to be on crutches. And um, there was a lot of recovery ahead. And it was getting me down, understandably. And I remember just not being able to pick up my son, and that was a really big thing. But I remember somebody saying to me, hey, why didn't you just start to think about things that you can do? And thank God for that. So I started to think about the fact that I'd seen a friend the day before. And that friend had been really kind to me or had, you know, they'd come and looked after my children. So we started to think God differently in our circumstances. Nothing had changed. We were still really struggling. Things were still really bad. But we started to see what what God had done that day that we could thank him for. And that shifted how I saw God. Because I was able to see that actually in the middle of this horrible, horrible time, God was still at work. And so you know when what that did is it built trust in, in in me about who God was. I began to trust him again. I began to think, hey, I can give you this. I can give you this. So we can leave it with God and we can thank him. We can thank him for some of the things that he's done. We can take a moment to remember some of the things that he's done in the past. You know, this morning, Andy touched on this and he spoke to King, King David and he said, King David was dealing with some incredible times through, through some of his kingship. And one of the things that David always did was when he would face anxiety, he would always say, "Yet I remember the Lord. And uh, in Psalm 77:11, there's quite a few Psalms that he does this in. Um, David says, I will remember the deeds of the Lord. Yes, I will remember your miracles of long ago. And David always took time to remember what God had done. And so th- he starts off by going, this is all going wrong and everything has happened and this is terrible, but you have done this. And then as soon as he did that, his, his countenance would change, his writing would change. And you see this a lot in his psalms. His writing would change and you'd see him exalting God and you see him praising God and starting to talk about some of the things that he saw God having done and it was just incredible and so it would shift his focus from his circumstances and it would bring him back to God. And he was able to leave whatever he'd come to God with right there at the feet of God. And I really believe that we can do that too. We can leave it with God and we can give it to him in the middle of our circumstances. You know, and I'll finish in just a second, but you might be, you know, but you might be listening and thinking, yes, but is this going to work for me? You know, I've shared with you how God, how I encountered God in the middle of my anxiety, how God came and broke in, how this incredible encounter changed the way I see the miracle working nature of God. And you're like, yeah, that's great, but is it going to work for me? But you know what, before I finish, I just want to let you know that this same God that I'm talking about, that's your father. He loves you. He loves you so much. He would never, he never wants you to be in this perpetual state of anxiety, this perpetual state of worry. He wants to give you peace for your anxiety. That's what he promises us in his word. And one of the keys to dealing with anxiety is understanding that we really can manage our thoughts. That's one of the things I had to deal with. You know, it might be that there's a mindset that, you have, that you've agreed with, it might be, we were talking earlier with Hannah and actually, maybe that there's a lie that you've believed and you don't even know what that lie is. And the beauty of God is that he can shine a light on what that is and begin to deal with it. And so one of the things about anxiety is that once you realize that we can manage our thoughts, scripture doesn't leave it there. Jesus says, don't let your hearts be troubled. So if it's not possible to keep our hearts from troubled, why would Jesus say that? So he's given us the ability not only to control our circumstances, but the way that we view and interpret our circumstances. And he's also given us his word. Verse seven says, you know, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest. Let's read that. Whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are admirable, If anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. You know, we're able to start to replace some of the thoughts through prayer with good things. We're able to start, we're able to, to move from a place of worry and begin to replace some of the things that we have agreed with, with the good things, the goodness of God, with the lovely things that God wants us to think about. We're able to go from a place of anxiety to a place of peace. That's what God promises us through prayer. And how do we do that? We sit with Jesus. We're able to, receive, to worship him. We're able to, to uh, give him our anxiety. We're able to place our worries at his feet and we're able to then receive the peace that he says that we can have. You know, um, the Bible says that as we follow this, as we celebrate God in worship, as we look at God first before our circumstances, that we bring our specific requests to him. And once we've done that, we leave the issue that this peace that passes understanding then breaks in. Now, it's hard to explain a piece that comes into the middle of a circumstance that you're still experiencing, but that's the miracle-working nature of God. And tonight, I genuinely believe that that's what God wants to do. And I'm gonna ask the band to come up, you know, because I feel like God wants to do something here. And before we go, I just wanna challenge that thought that you want to, that worry is something that you're supposed to live with for the rest of your life. I want to challenge that thought that says, this isn't that that big a deal. Everybody worries. This isn't that big a deal. This is something that really isn't a huge deal in my life. It might be that actually you're here and you're thinking, yeah, God, I don't know if he can do that in my life. I really think he can. And I really believe that he will. And I I believe that he's here and he wants to, yeah, he wants you to give this to him tonight. He doesn't want you to, go through the rest of 2018, as we go through the year of prayer, carrying this in your back pocket, thinking that it's not something worth giving to God. He doesn't want you to get to the end of this year and you realize that your view of Jesus all year long has been obstructed, it's been restricted. He doesn't want that for you. Worry isn't the way you're supposed to live. Worry isn't where you're supposed to be. There is peace promised from his word. There is peace promised by the Savior who loves you so much. So if you're here and you've struggled with worry, whether you've told somebody or not, it doesn't matter. Whether you have admitted it to yourself, that doesn't matter. God wants to deal with this for you. He doesn't want you to hold it. He doesn't want you to accept this as a price for your relationship with him. He wants you to see him clearly. You don't have to live with an obstructive view of Jesus. You can give that to him today. And I feel like with this area, God is miraculous here. God is miraculous here. I can stand here and tell you that from my own personal story, but I can also tell you that from the scriptures. Paul was able to write to a church that was being persecuted in chains and tell them not to worry. God had done something in him. He was able to see God in a different way because he placed his trust in God who who was with him right there in the middle of the prison cell. God was miraculous with him. God was with him and he was able to encourage others. And it might be that for you, this isn't an issue, but you know somebody who who struggles with this. So it might be that actually for you, you're able to go back into that situation and be the kind of person who's going to tell others, hey, God doesn't want you to live like this. And you become, to be, you become a, a, a freedom bringer into that situation because you know that God says here, do not worry, but pray. And when somebody says to you, I'm so worried, instead of being, uh, not knowing what to say to them, instead of being confused about how to help them through that situation, you can begin to give them tools to get out of that situation. What do you do when you're so worried that you can't think about the next day? Does prayer work? Will it work for them? Will you be the person who will stand next to them and pray with them and walk them through it? Will you be the person who shares your story with them and tell them what God has done for you? Will you stand here tonight, give that to God so that when that happens for you, you can say, hey, God does that. He did it for me. And he is that kind of God who's a miracle-working God in this area. And he doesn't want you to live with worry for the rest of your life. So we're gonna have a little bit of worship. But if you are here, And this is an area you want to get free from. There is freedom here tonight. And God wants to set you free from this tonight. He doesn't want you to just think, it's okay. So we're going to give you some space and some time to think about it. And in a minute, we're going to have a response. And I'd love to pray with you if you're here and this is something you've struggled with. Because I believe that God wants to set you free. Thanks for listening. For more podcasts, go to ivychurch.org forward slash media.